You're listening to Project Good Boss, the podcast with your host, Anna Shepherd. Good boss! Wow, you got to be a good boss! Let me hear you sing a good boss! Now come on, work hard! Work hard! Work hard! Wow, you got to be a good boss! Project Good Boss is a podcast dedicated to understanding the business benefits of kindness in leadership. We cover topics including and not limited to leadership equality, psychology, social impact, decent work and economic growth. All delivered with a little splash of good vibes. Today, I'm very excited to welcome a good friend of mine, actually, Nicole Doan, who's the head of training and coaching at Exceptional, which is a multi-award winning technology service firm that celebrates the unique strengths of people with autism. Coaching is about thriving instead of surviving, and an individual receiving this kind of coaching has the opportunity to explore who they are as an employee, understand their natural talents that they have to offer, where they're heading professionally in the different areas of opportunity to them, and understand the patterns of behavior which might not be useful to them getting there. At Exceptional, they see coaching as one of the critical pillars to building success. Nicole has over 20 years experience as a special educator, trainer, coach, and disability advocate, working across the business, tech, education, and health sectors in Australia and the UK. Her biggest passion and her purpose is to help individuals access the support they need to meet their full potential. Today, I am so happy to have actually a really good friend of mine. We worked together for a number of years at Ronald McDonald House Charities. Nicole Dern, welcome to Project Good Boss. Oh, thank you, Anna. It's so great to be joining you. So we both went our separate ways from Ronald McDonald House and uh, Nicole ended up working for an amazing organisation called Exceptional. And, um, you know, we'd love to unpack what this organisation does today. But before we do, we just want to learn a little bit about you, you know, just something a bit cheeky, work out who you are, what you're all about. And I think the only way we can do that is by asking what your favourite song of all time is. Oh, well, I happen to know that this song you're going to love too, Anna. Uh, it is There Will Be Time by Mumford and Sons. Oh, I love that song. I know you do. I Actually, know you do. didn't we have a good night one night when we were all playing all oh, sorts of instruments to that song? Absolutely. Yes, it did. is a song that you have to listen at high volume. Yeah, beautiful. It's, it's the one where they all start playing that there's tons of instruments going into a crescendo, isn't it? Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, gorgeous. I love that song too, Nick. Um, so you work for Exceptional. Tell us what Exceptional is. What does Exceptional do? Sure. So Exceptional is a for-purpose company. Um, it's an award-winning tech platform. What we do is harness the natural strengths of autistic people and help them find meaningful careers. Um, some of the areas we work with is in the business, technology areas, um, engineering, admin, compliance, project management, uh, accounting. So what we do, our um, assessments um, tools that we use help identify what um, recruits um, or, or what I should say is um, what organisations who are trying to recruit individuals, they mightn't be able to really assess skills because sometimes an autistic person uh, is... Uh, not able to demonstrate that in the interview. 
So by being able to use our platform, they're able to see what somebody can really do. Uh, what we do is we help with the recruitment, the onboarding, we provide autism awareness training, and we also um, won't place anybody if we aren't able to coach them and the manager. Ah, and the reason it's really important to coach the manager is we really believe that um, the people we place have amazing ability and we're not necessarily asking them to change. Sure, there's adjustments that might need to be made through coaching, but we're asking managers to really rethink the way they manage individuals. Amazing. So, and the actual onboarding process for a lot of organisations would actually be non-inclusive for people with neurodiversity, wouldn't, wouldn't they? Um, That's right. So let's talk about neurodiversity because everybody bans the words around, don't they? Maybe sometimes without a full understanding of what that means. And, you know, you hear people talking about the spectrum and this, that and the other. And, you know, can we talk, can you tell us what is it? Can you explain for our listeners what is neurodiversity um, and how does it, how does it manifest within, within people? Sure, sure. So um, neurodiversity is a collective term for a lot of different conditions. Um, it takes in things like dyspraxia, dyslexia, autism, of course, but we see it in um, ADHD, um, Tourette syndrome. Um, there is actually a wider definition in terms of some of the collective, but it, there is no um, consensus, I don't believe on this, but the idea of neurodiversity was coined at the end of the 1990s and it looks at the individual brain function and behavioural traits of people and there is natural variations um, in the human population. And so what we actually see, I guess, in just really easy language is that different people think differently, not just because of their experiences and their culture, but because they're actually, their brain is wired differently. Mm. Amazing. And, and I think, you know, I definitely myself tick a few of those boxes. Um, and I remember working together and um, I could see you knew before I did with a few of those boxes as well, <laughs> didn't you, Nicole? So, <laughs> I'm not saying a word. I embrace so, all. I embrace you know, all. You know, and... Um, but the, the beautiful thing is these neurodiverse traits and, and, you know, diagnoses in some instances and what have you actually come with a, for some, a number of superpowers, don't they? Um, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, when we're talking about individuals who are autistic, and I'm going to just sort of say before I go on, I'm using the term autistic because... Um, that's identity first language. Um, you do hear sometimes people or quite regularly people using person first language. They might say a person with autism. The reason that I'm using identity first language is because overwhelmingly all the autistic people that I work with and all the people that exceptional employ, because it is really important for me to point out that 50% of our organisation is neurodiverse. So we really do embrace um, individual difference. And what they're telling us is that they would prefer identity first. They say they their identity is being autistic. So that's how they prefer it. So that's why I'm using that term. Mm. But um, I guess when we talk about, oh, 
I've gone off track and I forgot the question. You were talking about the, the traits, weren't you? Yeah, the the superhuman traits, yeah, sorry. Yeah. That's all yeah. right. And I was just thinking then as well about how much of a refreshing workplace it must be. Uh, you know, one of the traits being people don't talk between the lines necessarily and they're quite direct with what they're talking about. And it was, for me, I'd find that quite a refreshing environment to be in, Abs- to be honest. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love it. And I have to sometimes watch myself because I have become so direct in my communication that I need to be careful not sometimes to be too abrupt with mm. individuals. But a lot of the coaching that I do with managers is about being comfortable with the direct. They are worried about saying the wrong thing. And I say, the people you are working with are comfortable with the direct. So give them feedback in the same way. They're going to embrace it. That's how they want their communication. Yeah, and that's a big challenge for a lot of leaders, isn't it? I remember when, um, you know, culturally where I'm from, we're quite direct in the north of the UK. And I remember it was, I actually had to adjust myself a little bit when I moved to Australia because the culturally um, Australians aren't necessarily as direct and uh, you know, could offend quite quickly. You'd be like, what? I just asked you if you wanted a cup of tea. Why is everybody so upset? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, you know, it, it's a similar thing. And I suppose it's about going in on yourself and going, well, why am I, why am I so affected by this person? directness they're just communicating with me absolutely but also you've got you've got to remember that um people uh who are autistic i mean i read an article the other day where a a fantastic young woman was writing about how her um, autism presents and she was saying compliment sandwiches just don't work for me because i i miss the nuances if there's something that I need to work on, you just need to tell me directly so I can pick it up and I know directly what you're saying to me instead of having to unpack what's been said around the fluff mm. of the bread of the sandwich. So, And I suppose everyone's individual as well, isn't it? There's no cookie-cutter approach, you know, like asking how would you like me to feed back to you so that you can get it really clear with somebody. I think he's above and beyond neurodiversity one of the best things a leader can do really isn't it absolutely absolutely and that's um i think one of the most important things the the saying that you hear a lot is you've met one person with autism and you've met one person with autism Mm. and everybody is different and just saying to them what is your preferred communication style how would you prefer to learn new information If we're setting up a meeting, how can I make sure that that meeting is going to be able to be effective to you? So how can you, how would you prefer to provide feedback? Mm. Um, If you're going into a meeting, what time of the morning is the best time for you uh, to start that meeting? I know, for example, you know, pre-COVID, one of the most challenging things for the autistic people I am working with was actually getting to work. And if they were travelling on public transport, sometimes that sensory input on public transport is overwhelming, mm. not just for them, for everybody. But we do know that autistic people have very high sensitive Uh, needs, um, particularly some people around proximity and noise in trains so um, or buses. And so they just say, once I get to work, I just need half an hour just to decompress. Mm. So asking somebody to come into a meeting at 9am, you mightn't get the best out of them. But if you just held it back 30 minutes, that'd be fine. Yeah. 
or being control of that situation in a way that's right i've heard stories of where where there's been change management in certain organizations and they they really haven't taken into account and there's you know something's happened which has resulted in a big change and a big shift very sudden and that there was melt somebody having complete meltdowns in it was an IT department that I heard about particularly where you know it completely and utterly devastated a few of the people in that in that scenario to the point where they couldn't they couldn't move they couldn't even leave the room mm. because of this information that had been given um and you know creating that environment so I think it's really really important and we'll come on to that in a second actually but let's talk about the spectrum because everybody mm. talks about the spectrum like we're on this rainbow light spectrum and if you're at this side of the spectrum you know you're a little less autistic and if you're at this side of the spectrum you're super autistic but let's debunk that because actually a lot of that's absolutely not accurate is it Nicole? Absolutely so a spectrum isn't a gradient that's the really important thing so a gradient looks at if you, uh, and you hear that term, as you just said, um, they're, they're slightly autistic. So you can't say something slightly green, or if it's really green, you know, they're, they're really autistic. Mm. A spectrum is not that. So we do know that if you look across the, a spectrum of different colours and you highlight different areas of that spectrum, it very much is like how some autistic people present. So some are gonna be really good in one particular part of the spectrum in terms of their ability to hyper-focus and be uh, uh, amazing in terms of analytic skills, but maybe they're not so good in communication. So it tends to be that across that spectrum, individuals are better in some areas than others. Um, and just because somebody is presenting as what we hear a term quite often highly functioning mm. doesn't mean that they're functioning that great at all. They've just managed yeah, to absolutely. mask in the community really, really well. I think what some people, when they use the terms like highly high functioning, mean that they're able to hold down a job or they are able to be verbal and communicate well. But it doesn't mean that um, they've actually got any real understanding of the nuances going on around them. But somebody who maybe is non-verbal really can understand those nuances, mm. but they're just not able to express that clearly. So mm. um, that, I guess, is, is, is looking at debunking that idea of, of what a spectrum is. But if you don't mind me going on and saying, Anna, you know, at Exceptional, we always talk about the autism advantage. So mm. it's about what actually can autistic people do. And we know that they have really high levels of concentration, attention to detail, really creative thinkers and problem solvers, accuracy and um, memory and working memory is um, you know, very high for them. And they also are really high, have high integrity. Mm. So they're honest to a fault mm. and extremely loyal staff. Uh, once they're in your organisation, there's nothing they wouldn't do if they feel that they have been embraced. Mm. And you'll have staff that don't want to move on to other jobs. Mm. Their, your turnover would be um, dramatically lower with um, the neurodiverse community. And there's certain industries now that actively seek 
to recruit people with neurodiverse um, traits, isn't there? Tech industries yeah. and a number of industries because the, the skill set is just absolutely perfect for, for what they're trying to achieve. Coding for long, long periods of time, you know, all these different types of things. Um, and then also the creative element of it. I mean, I'm dyslexic and I know um, a lot of dyslexic people I know are actually um, very creative because they've learned to get from A to Z by going on a magical mystery tour to get there. And they're very good at thinking about outside of the box, you know, not to... That, that's right, that's right. To get to the, to so, get so what you're saying is absolutely true. There is a um, proportion of the community who are really big in the tech industry, in sciences, in engineering. Um, you're going to see... Um, that there is um, people, you know, in in these tech companies who are in labs together, and there is a a, a lot of either uh, undiagnosed autistic people or those who are in there and not necessarily disclosing. So I am imagining there is a lot of people in roles that organisations don't even know about. But there's also a lot of uh, companies that are coming to us now and saying, we want to embrace that skills. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, how can you, if you're a business, afford not to? Mm -hmm. Because we're talking about amazing skills. But on the other side, like you said, not only do we place people who are amazing coders, we've got people whose goal, life goal is to write a novel. They're digital artists. They're coaching their children's soccer team. They're in amateur theatre um, they're running youth groups on a Friday evening. They're gardeners, they're photographers, they're puzzle designers. Mm. They're, so it's, it, there's no one person. Everybody is very, very different. And, you know, diversity is the key, isn't it? There's, there's something right. for everyone. Um, and, you know, we, we did touch upon it a little bit, but from your perspective, how can leaders, you know, embrace neurodiversity in the workplace? And how can they create an environment that enables people to thrive? If you could choose, you know, the top three actions, say, that a leader sure. could just walk out the door today and be like, right, I'm going to be more aware of this and this is the adjustments that I can make tomorrow. What would, sure. you, what would you say those three adjustments should be? Okay, so the first thing I would say is the traditional recruitment model is not geared to uh, autistic people because they're not great at selling themselves in interviews. So what I would say is that when you go through the process of recruitment, what you actually need to do is get people to demonstrate that what they can do rather than discussing and telling you what they can do. The other areas that I would just say is, and it's so simple, ask the person. So if someone has disclosed and said that they're autistic, ask them how you can support them. I think I went on before about preferences in communication and learning styles, but the other small area is really minor adjustments. So if somebody finds concentration really hard, most people in the workplace now wear headphones. That's a really minor modification. Flexibility working hours, considering where their workstation is. So if somebody is uh, really sensitive to smells, you definitely wouldn't want them near the staff kitchen, mm. but you probably wouldn't want them there anyway because it's going to be a distracting area to work. So it's about just thinking about how best you can create an environment that is going to make this person thrive. 
Yeah, and also, and, and I'm thinking here as well, you might have already heard some of these responses and requests and feedback from your team who might not have disclosed or even be aware that they have neurodiversity, um, you know, and, and you, it's not sometimes about somebody being hard work or, you know, neurotic or this, that and the other. They're communicating to you, you know, that there's a there's an environment that enables them to thrive. And there's a few modifications that they are encouraging you to help them make. So Absolutely. And, and I guess I guess the idea the behind that. Yeah. I guess the idea behind that, Anna, is just universal design. Mm. Thinking about how some of these modifications actually benefit everybody. Mm. If you provide a really structured meeting environment with a clear agenda, that has to benefit everybody. Mm. But we know that autistic people really, really appreciate that. Mm. You, you've just got to think of how these small things can change uh, and make a big impact for people. But also remembering as a manager, you don't manage a team the same. Mm. manage individuals so it's just making individual changes for people and talking about self-care and how we manage our routines and everything like that we I'd love to because I've known you for a long time and I know that you you do look after yourself and you invest a lot in your own well-being and you know you and I and everybody in the industries we've worked in especially around children that are sick and you've been really on the front line with that working in the hospitals with a lot of the kids how do you look after yourself, Nicole? What, what's, your, what's in your toolkit, your wellbeing toolkit? Uh, I think exercise and sleep is key. Um, I'm somebody who, when I get stressed, the exercise jumps, you know, sort of gets bumped off and, and I really am trying very hard to maintain that. And I am definitely an eight-hour-a-night uh, sleep person. I need that. But I also love spending time in my garden um, and I'm quite a creative person. So my husband and I are always working on little renovation projects. Um, and as you know, Anna, I'm a really social person. So I get my energy um, from being around family and friends. I, I love creating memories. Love and laughter is important. Mm. And the other, other thing, like you as well, is travel. But, you know, unfortunately, we've got to We're create... We're not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's right. So, so we've got to one other... inch of New South Wales we haven't explored by the end of this year. That's the that's moral of the story. And still sending our love to Melbourne and the fact that you can't get out much at the moment. So should we do a quick fire round? Would you like some quick sure. fire questions? Are you ready? Sure. Hold on tight. So, okay, here we go. Put your seatbelt on. So what is the one trait that you like the most in leaders? Authenticity. Yeah, beautiful. Who is uh, your favourite and most inspirational leader? Ooh, this is probably a bit left field, but I have learned a lot recently about Jane Fonda, and I think she is an amazing woman. Oh. She has um, not changed who she is as a person over the years. She has not fit, uh, tried to fit into any mould. She's an amazing actor and executive producer, but she has been an activist her whole career and unapologetic. She speaks out and I think she really leads in exceptional ways. She um, obviously is doing the fire drill Fridays at the moment um, and, you know, has been arrested for that in her 80s, which is amazing. But she was the original G.I. Jane um, <laughs> protesting against the Vietnam War. So she's been on the front line for gender equality. So I, I think she's an 
incredible leader. And a great role model for, you know, all, all the women, all women leaders and all leaders everywhere, really. Um, okay, so what's the best bit of advice anyone has ever given you? Oh, um, I think owning your emotion. I'm somebody who shows emotion on my face and sometimes I've felt that that's a bit of a weakness um, going through my career. But I've had a good friend who probably about 10 years ago said to me, embrace that. All the best leaders um, see their emotion as their strength mm. and they, are, they don't try and hide it. And I think that once I realised that I could use that to my advantage, that's been a really good thing. Yeah, beautiful. And I think that definitely that's one of your strengths is you always, I love it that I always know where you're at, actually, Nicole, you know, by, I could just check in, look at your face. How's she doing? Okay, there she is. Um, so, so what, what's next for Exceptional? What should we expect next? Um, so we're actually really excited. We're just start, currently starting um, our beta testing for our assessment platform. So that's the tech platform that we um, have built um, that helps job seekers represent their skills um, instead of using that traditional interview process. Um, our plan for 2021 is that the technology that we've been using now for two years and developed, we're going to roll that out globally to other employers. Oh, wow, brilliant. Amazing. So if you are in an industry where, yeah, or any industry really, where you're going to benefit from, from some loyal, highly skilled, you know, brilliant talent and you want to get with the program get, you know, refresh your recruitment processes and make sure you can actually access these people. Um, you need to hit exceptional. They're doing some exceptional work and it's a beautiful team of people and um, they're very lucky to have you as well, Nicole. Um, oh, that's very kind. Definitely very much. And, you know, I look forward to listening to some Mumford and Sons with you again very soon. Um, we have to organise it. Absolutely. And have you any final words? No, just thank you very much for this opportunity. It's just so lovely to be able to catch up and have a chat with you. Thanks, Nicole. And we'll see you again very, very soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Project Good Boss. Bambuda Group is a social enterprise providing leadership coaching for corporate leaders, business owners and operators. We believe in a future where every leader is committed to creating a sustainable world of equality and opportunity for everyone. If you are a game-changing leader and you have an amazing story of how your business is making the world a kinder and a better place, we would love to hear from you. Visit bambudagroup.com or slide up in to our DMs. And finally, you should know, for every paid member we have in our network, we provide scholarships to reduce inequalities in leadership and business. Thank you for being kind today. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you again next time. A special thank you to Bondi Radio for producing this episode. Music performed and written by Lo Roberts and artwork designed by Flair Creative.